have a team all the way in from Australia, Andrew Ironside and his group. I'm sure he'll, amen, a wonderful, wonderful team. And Andrew's actually going to bring the word today as well. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to stand together. We're just going to honor the Lord in celebration of his son, Jesus Christ. Andrew, take it away. So awesome. Pastor Derek and Angie, it is such a privilege to be back with you here at Gateway Church. Colorado Springs. We love you. We love your family. We love this church. You know, we, we kind of feel bad leading the worship this morning because you have such an amazing worship team. Laurel and Joshua, you lead a fabulous team here. We had the privilege of hearing them yesterday. Wow. Wow. Like really, 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 really good. So it's a great honor to be here. Have a seat this morning. God bless you. Let me introduce to you my guys here on the platform. Uh, the noisy and crazy one this morning was Mr. Joel Tompkinson. Give, give, give Joel a welcome today. Thank you. <laughs> Actually, this is a bit more like the subdued version of you today. You wait till you see him tonight. He usually takes most of the day to wake up these young blokes. His younger brother, Jaden, was on the drums. Please welcome Jaden Tompkinson. <laughs> and their cousin, their second cousin, Joel Frost, we call him Frosty. Everyone say, hi, Frosty. <laughs> and many of you have met Chris Lane before. Please welcome Chris. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Whoa. I had a pastor in Australia who's been in ministry all of his life. He's about the age of 77. He said, if I could sing like you, I would, I would sing my sermons. But I'm not going to sing the sermon this morning. It's okay. Whoa, you're beautiful. I, I pray that you come tonight to the house. We're meeting at 6.30 for a worship encounter. Everyone say, worship encounter. Like, we are going to worship the living God. This morning was just a little warm-up for what we're really going to do in the house tonight. A worship encounter is a combination of teaching and worship. So you won't be standing up for an hour and a half. Don't worry about that. We teach a little bit, then we worship a bit more, and we teach a bit more, and worship a bit more. We want to speak about tonight the theme in the worship encounter. is actually not even recorded yet. It's worship encounter four. It's the greatness of God. How great is God. We want to just exalt Him and come back and look, look at what the Word says about His greatness. Would that be cool? Yeah? That's going to be fun. Wear your comfortable shoes because we will dance and we will rejoice because my Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. The literal interpretation of that word rejoice means to jump up and down and turn around. So let's do it. We'll do it. You guys have got no excuse. You live at this altitude. You know, we run out of puff pretty quick. But you guys live here. You, you, you can really join us in this tonight. Bring a friend. You know what surprises me, Pastor Derek, is how many people get saved at a worship encounter. Last Sunday night in, uh, where were we? we were in Decatur, Alabama. Alabama. And there were 17 people saved in the house last, night, uh, last Sunday night in a worship encounter. Would you, would you do me a favor this afternoon? Send a text and an email, phone somebody up, a friend, someone who's not walking with the Lord, say, come to the house tonight. These Aussie guys are going to rock the house. We're going to have a great time. Uh, just bring them. They won't be offended. They'll have a fa fabulous time. You see, the Bible says when we lift up Jesus, he draws all men to himself. And that's all we're going to do. And just watch people get saved. Watch people get restored tonight in the house. I want to I challenge fathers, men, all the men, look at me, look me in the eyes, men. Give me a little grunt. <clears throat> I want to challenge you. Bring your families tonight. Bring your kids. Bring your grandchildren. You know, my favorite thing 
is to be at church on a Sunday night and hold my grandchild in my arm and worship the Lord and, and watch them just love God. Lead your family in worship. Yeah, bring your spouse. If you don't have a spouse, grab somebody. <laughs> bring them to the house tonight. Is that a good plan? I, uh, I bring a greeting to you from my wife, Desma. She says, hello. I was talking to her quite a long time last night. I was about to do my washing at the hotel, and, uh, and uh, in between I was talking to her, and she says hi to you all, y'all. Um, we've been married for 32 years. We celebrated our anniversary a few weeks ago, and we just are really thankful for each other and our family. We have five children and five grandchildren and two dogs. So she got them all together at Christmas time and managed to get them all into one shot. And I'm really proud of our kids. It's, I, God, God's into family. He really is. And, you know, Thanksgiving time, Christmas time, where families are getting together, thank God for your family. There, there is something good about them. Amen. So uh, my eldest daughter, Melody, it's her birthday tomorrow. She's in the blonde in the front row on the left. Uh, and uh, she's married to Dave. And they have four of the five grandkids. And they are, uh, work with Pastor Mark and Darlene as service pastors in our local church, Hope You See, with uh, Mark and Darlene Check. And uh, behind her is our second daughter, Bree, with the long hair on the left in the back. She's a uh, full-time lecturer at Hillsong College, and she's just finished her double degree in music, singing, and in uh, teaching, so she can be a, a qualified teacher. And uh, next to her is Ashley and Stephen, the redheads. Uh, Ashley and Stephen, we adopted them when they were ages 9 and 11. Their mother was in the local church that we were involved in at the time, and uh, she died, leaving them orphaned. So we adopted both of them at ages 9 and 11. Now they're 27 and 25. And it's such a good... You know, I got a revelation of the, of the heart of God from adopting children and having children. You know, you've been adopted. You belong. We didn't say to Ashley and Stephen, when you come to our house, now listen... Uh, you can't sit at the table with us. You can wait till we're finished. You can have the leftovers and the crumbs. No, no. They get to sit at the same table and slap their hands on the table and say, what's for dinner, mum? You are a joint heir with Jesus. You sit at the same table as Jesus, the Son of God. You are a son and a daughter, a child of God. You belong. Never say again, I don't belong. You belong in the family of God. And uh, so Ashley and Stephen have been a great blessing to our family. In front of them is my son, Jordan, and uh, with the beard. He worked at Hillsong Church as a video and TV editor for five years. And Paula, his wife, came from Norway to Hillsong College, and they met. And so, of course, now they're married and now living in Norway. And they've had a little boy. Oh, he's our grandkids together. They wouldn't even stop eating and drinking to take a picture. Uh, but on the far right, that's their son, Levi, and he's two and a half. Well, what a character. What a kid. Um, he doesn't know. He doesn't know whether to speak English or Polish or Norwegian because Paula, his mother, is Polish, and her parents speak Polish. They live in Norway, and the kids at church speak Norwegian, and his father only speaks Australian English. <laughs> so in one sentence, he'll come up with three languages, and I've got a little video here where he's learning to preach. Like, he's a preacher, man. Can you turn the audio on here for me? And uh, in this video, you won't understand it, but he's actually speaking three languages as a two-and-a-half-year-old.
<laughs> you got the uh, you got the amen bit anyway, didn't you? Like <laughs> Barber, he was saying that in Polish, which is a blessing in Polish. Like how cool! Like I, this is the heritage of God. Hey, he said your children's children will serve and be be found in the house of God. And I love this. I love family. I love family. I love church family. It's such a healthy thing. Don't stop coming to church, people. Like, this is good. And uh, I bring a greeting from Darlene Check and our church at Hope You See back at home. I, uh, the very Sunday I go back home, I'm playing the harp for them in uh, church service, uh, in the Christmas services actually over the weekend that we're there. And that's a great honor. Awesome. So this morning I want to talk about understanding the seasons of God and the theme this morning is peace and finding the peace of God in the season that you're in. Anybody here today? This is going to speak to every single person in this room. There's not one person that will not be touched this morning by this word. It's truth that sets us free. And, and we're going to find God in that season. And if you've got a notepad or an iPad, uh, an iPhone, Maybe a BlackBerry would work and possibly an Android would work as well. But take some notes this morning, like write these things down because I believe it will really help you. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. Uh, Philippians 4.13 is a very, very popular verse. You know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But look at the context. It says here, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Everyone say that word learned. You see, we can learn to walk in his peace. We can learn to be content in whatever state. You're in the state of Colorado, and whatever state your life is right now, you can learn to find God's peace in the middle of that state. He said, I know how to be a base, and I know how to abound. See, we, we don't like quoting this one. We like to quote, quote verse 13, but we don't like to quote this. I know how to do without, and I know how to handle a lot. Anybody here? I know how to have the peace of God when I've got nothing and when I've got a huge amount. It's the same peace. Everywhere and in all things I have learned. Everyone say learned. I've learned both to be full and to be hungry. I don't know how you learn to be hungry, but that's, it's not a nice feeling. None of us like that feeling of hunger. That's why we don't diet very often. That's why we don't fast very often because we like to eat, don't we? But you know, he's saying here, I have learned and I have found the peace of God even when I'm hungry. Is anybody hungry? To be content and both, both to abound and to suffer need, then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love the Message Bible translation of this. I am just as happy with little as with much. We've got one, one brother believes it over here. Thank you for that. I have found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. This is a season right now. I believe that, you know, what God's doing around the world, this is a season of making disciples. If you don't know what God's up to, we have the privilege of traveling through many nations. Next year, I'm going to be in quite a few nations throughout Europe, and of course, we'll be back here in America and all over Australia. This is what God's doing around the world now. He's moving in this way. He wants us to make disciples. And evidence that we're in step with what God is doing around the world right now is that we're all about making disciples. He said, come and follow me. In, in Matthew 4.19, Jesus said, come and follow me and I will show you 
how. Everyone say those three words. Show you how to be fishers of men. You see, no matter what... What, no matter what season you're in right now, you're called to make disciples. I want to tell you, there won't be that, that overwhelming sense of peace in your life until you're doing this. There's, a, there's an incredible satisfaction of God when we're actually turning outward and looking for more people who need to know Christ. And, and addressing the day and saying, Father, show me people today that need to know you. I was, uh, I was at a conference in Hawaii a few years ago. Hawaii is a really tough place to go to a conference. Someone's got to do it. May as well be me and my wife. In fact, we ministered in worship at this conference for about 10 years in a row, every March. It was a business leaders uh, and church leaders conference. And uh, at the end of the conference, uh, they clear all the, all, the, all the chairs out and set up tables. And I was coming in on a Thursday night to sit with my good friends, John and Lisa Bevere. John came to me a few years ago and said, I want to be your friend. And I'm thinking, is that just being, are you just being American? Ooh, or do you mean that? Ooh, did I say that? <laughs> are, you, are you fair dinkum? Well, in Australia, we have the word fair dinkum. Everyone say fair dinkum. It's not a swear word, it's a good word. It means, it means truly, it means really. And I said to him, are you fair dinkum? And he came back the next day and he gave me his personal cell number and his email address. And said, we want to stay in touch, we want to be friends. So I was, anyway, coming to the, at the end of the conference, I'm going to come and sit with them uh, at, for the banquet. As I came in through the door, very, very clearly, the Holy Spirit said to me, stop, sit down there. I'm thinking, there's only one spare seat and I don't know anybody at that table, I don't want to sit there. The Holy Spirit will often ask us to do things we don't want to do. So I sat down there and, and I'm chatting away to the guys either side of me. I found a guy on my right. He's from Brisbane, Australia. We'd been at the conference all week. I hadn't even met him. He's from, from our own area. And then the guy on my left, his name was Roy and he's from Norway. He couldn't speak English very well, but within a few minutes of meeting him, I could tell he was a little messed up and he, he'd come to the conference because he was just desperate for some keys and some principles. He said, I've, my, I've lost everything. I've lost all my businesses. I've lost my house. I've lost my car. Uh, uh, he said, my wife of 20 years, she passed away two months ago. I am completely devastated. So he's at this conference and I'm thinking now, I know why I'm sitting here. I'm just here to encourage this man. And, and uh, he said, when I come in to, this, to these, these uh, sessions during the day, I, I feel something on the inside, but I don't know how to describe it. I, I kind of feel warm. And, and I said to him, Roy, that's the presence of God. That's the love of God. That's the peace of God. How, how do you describe the peace of God to someone who doesn't know God? I said, that's the anointing. That's, that's God touching you. You're sensing the love, the anointing, the presence, the peace, the joy of God. And within a few minutes, I said, Roy, would you like to give your heart to Christ? Would you like to get saved? And he had a tear rolling down his cheek, and he said, I've been waiting all week long for someone to ask. At a Christian conference. And I'm thinking, Lord, how many, how many people had you spoken to to stop and talk to Roy before me? 
So I stopped the rest of the table that we're sitting with and says, hey guys, this is Roy, he's from Norway and he was all by himself as well. As, as he wants to give his life to Christ and he was already weeping and, and he just sobbed his way to the Lord. It was such a privilege to lead one more to the Father. And, and when we finished praying, he said, I, I can't even eat now. I'm, I don't feel hungry. I, I, he said, what did you call that before, the, anoint, the anointing? I can feel it all over me and I can feel it inside me. Come on, the peace that passes understanding. You sh- your understanding says to you, you shouldn't feel that peaceful. He was going, I got it, man. I got it. You see, making disciples is not just leading someone to Christ. You've got to follow through to make sure they get really connected. And I said, Roy, you've got to get to a church. We're going to find a good church in Norway for you that you can go to. He said, there are no nice churches in Norway. There's no nice people in Norway. <laughs> I'm, I'm going, oh, there has to be. He said, no, there's no nice people like these lovely people in Hawaii. Well, I got his email address. Jesus said, come and follow me and I'll show you how to be fishers of men. Although he's on the other side of the world from Australia. I mean, Norway's a long way from Australia. It's closer to America than what it is to Australia. I get his email address. says, Roy, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to make some contacts, see if we can find a good church. Within two months, I had an email back from him. Says, he said, I found a great, except it had a couple of swear words in it. Yeah, I found a really great church. He said, I found some people like the people in Hawaii, and here they are in Norway. I'm going, cool. He's connected in the house of God. I asked his friend at the conference, because his friend was sitting at another table. When I found his friend who brought him, I I said, why didn't you ask Roy if he wanted to receive the Lord and and be born again? His His friend said, I thought he would say no. You see, we've stopped asking because we automatically assume their answer is no. When was the last time you had the courage to say, would you like to receive Christ? Would you like to experience the love and the peace of God? Because no one can tell me it's not real because I've experienced this love. I've experienced this peace. I've experienced this joy. I got an email from his friend about two weeks after the email I got from Roy about him being in a good church there. And here's a, here's a copy of it. And I don't know if I can read it on the screen, but I'll get, give you the rough idea what it says. It says, Hi, Andrew. Uh, I'm sorry to tell you that our friend Roy Inge Pedersen, born in 1971 from Norway, died in a tragic accident. He got saved. He got led to the Lord by you in Hawaii on the 27th of March. I'm so grateful that you, had, that you helped him to receive the Lord as his Savior. And he goes on to talk about that and said he'll be buried in Vans Church in Storgil, 1 p.m., Here's some pictures of him. I said, send some pictures because I'm not going to see him on earth again of his wife before his wife died. You see, what if? What if? What if I had have been so busy hobnobbing with the right people that I missed that still small voice of the Holy Spirit that says, stop, sit down there. And I wonder how many Roy's we miss because we're so busy doing things that we think are important. We're so full of self-importance and, and our own agenda and what we think is important that we miss that little voice. 
I want to suggest that there's Roy's in your life right now. I want to suggest that right now there are Roy's waiting for you just to stop what you're doing and say, hey, have you experienced the love of Christ? Are you at peace in your soul? I, I, I let my imagination run on a little bit. I've hung around Neil Myers for too long. And I imagine that, that if I went before the throne of God in the day of judgment and God called me over and says, Andrew, I want you to meet this bloke, because God speaks Australian English. Uh, I want you to meet this bloke. On, on earth, he lived in a country called Norway, and his name was Roy. And you were supposed to lead him to me, but he never got to know me. And I'm holding you accountable because you didn't lead him to me. And I'm going, Father, I've, I've never been to Norway. How, how, am I, how am I responsible for him? And the Lord reminds me that we were at a conference and that he asked me to sit down beside him, but I was too busy in doing things my way. Well, consequently, I've been to Norway since then. My kids live there. I've got a grandchild there. I just think, how amazing is God? How awesome is God? This is a season of making disciples. There's no stress. There's no pressure. Just listen. Just listen. He's talking. Just shh. Turn the telly off for a minute. Shut down Facebook for a minute. Shh. Just listen. You'll get it. He'll say, call so-and-so. Yeah? Come and follow me and I'll show you how to be fishers of men. I want to challenge you this week as we prepare for Christmas season. Uh, don't just get busy with the season. Ask God, where are the Roy's? I'm going to move here really quickly through this. I'll give you the light version this morning because we don't have time to go too in-depth with it. There are six Hebrew words for man or mankind, and every one of us here today is in one of these seasons. And I know you're, you're wondering why I ask you to take notes. Here's where we go right here. The first Hebrew word is what we know as Adamic. Uh, it's known as the creational stage. It uh, speaks of the ages from zero to 13. Does anyone here this morning have children or grandchildren between the ages of zero and 13? Put your hand up high. Look at that. So this includes all of us today. And here's what this word Adamic actually means. It's a season where gifts and talents are discovered, a time of development. And I know you're also looking at me saying, well, duh, Andrew, we knew that. We didn't need a you know, deep Hebrew explanation of this. But listen to this. We have a responsibility as parents and as grandparents to make sure our children discover their talents and their gifts when they're young. When I was seven... My elder brother, Mark, he was eight. He was going to piano lessons. And he would come home from piano lessons, and I would listen to what he played and wait until he finished, and then I would jump up on the piano and play what he played. And my mother's, you know, scratching her head, asking her friends at church, should I send Andrew to piano lessons? He's only seven. Uh, he, he gets up and plays what his elder brother plays without even going to a lesson. Should he go to lessons? And her friends were like, duh, send him to piano lessons. And off I went at the age of seven having piano lessons, classical piano lessons. And how many know that seven-year-olds don't like to practice? Yeah, yeah. My mother would stand behind me with a ruler. <laughs> making sure I did half an hour practice every day of the week, five days a week. I don't think she ever hit me with a ruler. She kind of hit the side of the piano, whack, you know, you're doodling, like play the, play the scales, play what's on the page, you know. And, and how many of the 11-year-olds don't like to practice? My mother, she, you know, parents, parents, 
we've gotten soft. Oh, I don't know whether I want to make my child practice. I thank God that my mother had the discipline to discipline me into practicing. By the age of 14, I discovered what was called self-discipline, and I was doing two hours, sometimes up to four hours a day, on my own accord. I had a desire, I had a vision to serve the Lord. But you know, if my mother hadn't have exercised discipline behind me when I was seven and eight and nine and 10 and 11 and 12 and 13, we wouldn't have the privilege of doing what we're doing today. Come on, parents, there's a responsibility to make sure they discover the talents and the gifts through discipline. Ooh. My mother said, I'm paying for the lessons you will practice. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. My little granddaughter, Aria, she's one of the ones up on the screen before. She's just turning five, but since the age of three, I've been teaching her how to play the piano. She comes around to our house, and I've got little, little yellow stickers on all the C's, and she goes, Haps, that's my grandfather name, Haps. Haps, I can do all the C's, and she walks up and down the piano and plays C and says, this is an octave, and goes up and down the piano, and then she knows the D's because that's in between the two black ones. This is where the dog hides in the kennel, and it's got the orange stickers on it, and she's learning to play. Like, come on. What is it that you need to pass on to your children and your grandchildren? Here's another Hebrew word for you, zekar. Everyone say zekar. It's known as the phallic stage. When we were here last year, we were talking uh, in the worship encounter about Hebrew words for praise. Today we're talking about Hebrew words for mankind. Ages 14 to 24. How many here would be in the service today that are between 14 and 24? Put your hand up high. Awesome. I'm speaking to you here right now. This is a season of mastering or enslavement. You choose. You choose whether you'll master what God's called you to do or be enslaved to the world system. The Bible says, choose you this day who you will serve. It's a time of refining gifts, establishing who you are in Christ. A time of apprenticeship, study, university, a time of being trained and honing your talents, also known as a time of incredible sexual energy. That's good news, isn't it, Zaykars? Zaykins. At the age of 14, I gave my heart to the Lord at the age of seven, the same time I started learning the piano. At the age of 14, I decided I was going to serve the Lord. I want to keep myself for the kingdom of God. And you know what? I made a decision back there at 14. I wasn't going to smoke and drink and uh, uh, take drugs and sleep around. I wasn't going to do those things. I was going to serve the Lord and keep my life for the kingdom of God. And you know the funny thing about that is, to this day, no one even has offered me a cigarette. But hang on. I wasn't looking for it. What are you looking for? You'll find it. The Bible says seek and you'll find. And I don't know about America, but Australia is a really big beer drinking country. Like the regular Aussie bloke drinks a lot of beer. But to this day, I don't even know what beer tastes like. In fact, no one's even offered me a beer. But wait a minute. I wasn't looking for it. What are you looking for? And I've gone my entire life through all those teenage years and crazy times, early 20s. No one's even offered me drugs. I don't even know what they look like if I saw them anyway. But wait a minute. I wasn't looking for it. Seek and you will find. Choose you this day who you will serve. And no one's even offered me sex. Like underneath these layers of fat, I've got a real hunk of a spunk body. 
I can almost keep up with Pastor Derek. <laughs> What's up with that? Oh, other than my wife, of course. We've had three children and adopted two, you know. But I wasn't looking for it. What are you looking for? Choose you. Come on. I'm talking to you guys today. 14 to 25-year-olds, choose you this day who you will serve. And tomorrow, choose you this day who you will serve. And the day after, choose you this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a choice every single day of our lives. Here we go. Let's move on here. The Gibor. Here's the next season. G-I-B-B-O-R. Everyone say Gibor. It's the warrior stage, ages 25 to 39. Now listen, I didn't make this up. This is the Word of God. It's been in the Bible for thousands of years, all right? I was so, so thrilled when I discovered it that, that actually this whole idea of seasons, God invented it, all right? And He wants us to understand the seasons we're in. How many here today are between 25 and 39? Put your hand up high with a big, look at this. Wow, we got some worries in the house, man. This is like, yeah. It's a fantastic season. Here's what it means. The Gibor means this. You have the drive to establish yourself and the kingdom of God. It's a time of pushing through. Come on. You got what it takes to push through. It's a life of fighting and making it happen. You are juggling many balls at one time. How many feel like that? Yeah? Gibor's is like, wow, is this possible? Now look at this. It's the longest of all the seasons, depending how long you live in the final season. No one told me when I was 35 that the Gibor season was going to come to an end. But all the Gibors that just raised your hand, make most of the season you're in because it comes to an end. You see, there's a term they use in psychology in Australia. I don't know if they'd use it here, but it's called the quarter-life crisis. A quarter-life crisis is just a 25-year-old refusing to grow up and be a Gibor. They just want to keep goofing off but they don't want to actually get into the war of life. You see, God's put something inside you that's the, the spirit of a warrior. And we're talking about peace today, but there's also that the, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And we need warriors in the house to stand with our leaders and pastors and say, we declare the kingdom of God here in Colorado Springs on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the world's way is to try and hang on to the season we're in. God's way is to anticipate the next one. So you hit the age of 40 and it all changes. We become what the Word of God says, Enoshes. Everyone say Enosh. It's known as the wounded stage, ages 40 to 49. How many here are in that category of ages 40 to 49? Put your hand up high with a big smile on your face. He's all the happy, wounded people in the house here today. Now, I want you to observe something. Put your hands up again one more time. There's nowhere near as many Enoshes as there were Gibors. Hello. I don't know what that says to you. You see, if you've lived to the age of 40, you've been hurt. If you haven't been, you should get out a bit more. <laughs> like, if you haven't been hurt... It, it, by the age of 40, just go to church a bit more often. <laughs> That'll sort you out. You see, one of the most positive things about the wounded stage, the Enosh stage, is that you acknowledge you've been hurt. That's the key right there. Because if you acknowledge, hey, I've been wounded, you can actually get well. If you live in denial, man, you stay sick, you blame the rest of the world for it. So here's what Enosh means. Potentially, it's a time of regret, 
But if you repent about what you should have done as a warrior, you can be healed and move on. Many Enoshes are disappointed and discouraged because they didn't do everything that God called them to do in the warrior years. Now, an Enosh trying to be a Gibor, trying to be a warrior, is a tryhard. It's gone, man. Move on. It's also a time of renewal. Look at this. Enosh is a time of renewal or staying in a rut. It's a time of reevaluation where you ask, what will I do in the next 40 years? Now look at this. It's a time of healing and refocusing. And often an Enosh can and will do more in this one 10-year period than all the previous 40 years put together. <laughs> I say to the Enoshes today, be healed. For the sake of your family, for the sake of your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren, get well, man. I had a young man who was 19 years of age come to me after the service after I preached this message, and he was crying. He said, my dad refuses to come to church. He's been hurt in church. He said, but now I know how to pray for him, that he'll be restored, he can be restored and find great fruit in the rest of his life. Is anybody here today? I say to Enoshes who are here and who are not here today, be healed in the name of the Lord. Be restored in the name of the Lord. Find the peace of God again in the middle of that wounded season. Man, I've been incredibly hurt. I know what it's like to be hurt. Badly, badly hurt. In the church and by church leaders. Oh, I didn't expect that, Lord. Here's my saying to Enoshes, because I've been one of you for many years. I'm now I'm in the next level, okay? Get over yourself. Get well for the sake of the others. Get well for the sake of your children and your, and your grandchildren. Let's go to another season. You ready? It's, it's, it's getting better. Here we go. We move on to the, the Hebrew word ish. I-S-H is actually pronounced ish. Everyone say ish. It's the mature stage. This is good. Finally, we grow up, man. Like we, we finally mature. Ages 50 to 60. If you're 50 to 60 this morning, I want you to wave your hand high in the air. Let's applaud these ones. They've made it. They made it through the, the wounded years. You see, I want to say to the issues this morning, it's not too late to get healed. There's nothing worse than a sick ish. Because you know what? A sick-ish will actually speak words of negativity over all the generations coming after them. They don't understand them. They're discouraged by life. They're discouraged by the walk. And you know what? It's not too late to get well. You should have gotten well in the, in the uh, Enosh years. But here's what ish means. Look at this. It's a, the focus of the ish is now on mentoring your spiritual sons and daughters. Your natural sons and daughters have grown. Now God wants you to multiply, 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 multiply. Did you hear the word of the Lord this morning? Multiply, multiply. It's a life of deeper meaning. If anybody who is an ish this morning can actually verify and declare with me, it, life makes a whole lot more sense. I, I realize I spent most of my young years just confused. Hopefully I didn't look too confused, but gee, it was confusing. But now the kingdom of God and life makes a whole lot more sense. I realize it's not about me. <laughs> it's not about me. 
It's about all the spiritual sons and daughters. That, that's what these young guys are here for. And you should hear them preach. I might even get them to throw in a little bit of their sermons tonight in the worship encounter. You should hear these guys preach. Pass it on. Pass on the baton. You call it baton? Pass on the baton. One more. Can we handle one more this morning? It's the Zaken, spelled Z-A-K-E-N. I know you say Z, but sorry, in Australia, we say Z. Z-A-K-E-N. Everyone say Zaken. It's the sage stage, ages 60 and over. This is, you, can, you can actually research this for yourself. It's all in uh, the Hebrew, and it unpacks amazingly. Uh, how many here are 60 and over? I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to bless you this morning in the name of the Lord. If you can, stand to your feet. Come on. Here they are. Here they are. Stay standing. Yes. Yes. I want you to remain on your feet for just a moment because here's what we want to do. I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize that we haven't honored you the way we should have. In the Hebrew, Zakin means the generals. Now act like it. It's perhaps not as bad in your country as what it is in our country, but in Australia, we don't honor you the way we should. You are the people in the Hebrew culture that would sit at the gates of the city, and everyone younger than you would come and sit at your feet and say, Tell me about this. Tell me about life. Help me make sense of where I'm going. And we would ask you questions. Sadly, today we fobbed you off. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the Zakins who are not here this morning, who feel like they don't belong in the family in the house of God. You have a place. And I said before, there's nothing worse than a sick ish. Yes, there is, a sick Zakin. I say it's not too late to be well. Because a healthy Zakin will speak words of life on the generations coming after you. Well, you not, might not understand what they're all about, but you always speak a word of life. There is life and death in your tongue. Look at this. Here's what it means. Zakin means that you speak less, but your words have more weight and more wisdom. So I say to you today, be careful what you say, because it has great power and great authority. I say one of the most celebrated people and groups in this church should be you. We should take you guys out for coffee and say, tell me about this. How did you walk through that? How did God help you with this? What do you think about this? Hmm? We honor you. We bless you this morning. It also means you are the standard bearers. The word zakin means the standard bearers that uphold the standards of God. Thank God for you. I'm just glad you're here today. See, it doesn't say you uphold the traditions of God. You uphold the standards of God. There's a difference. It's not about hanging on to traditions. It's about hanging on to the standard, the principles of God and His Word. You make special contributions, and your focus is to leave a legacy. Wow. My father turned 75 a couple of years ago. And I was with him on his 75th birthday. And I was really sad because he said, Andrew, I, he was crying. He said, Andrew, I feel pushed aside and discarded. 
I don't know where I belong in the house of God. My father's a godly, godly man. He's 77 now, and he retired last year at 76. They were pastoring a church in remote Australia. I said, Dad, I don't see you that way. I see you as a general. We need you. You belong. You belong in the house of God. You have so much for everyone else here. What makes you relevant is not whether you have an iPhone or an iPod or an iPad or an iBook. What makes you relevant is that you've lived the life. What makes you relevant is that you were once younger, but we've never been older. I say it to these blokes all the time. You don't know what the heck you're talking about, man. I've already been younger, but you have not been 51 before. So here's what I think we should do this morning. I want you to remain standing, and we're going to gather around you and pray for you and bless you. Can we do that as a church today? Would you, everyone stand up and, and make sure that we've got a crowd around this general of God over here, and that, come on, let's just gather and lay hands upon them and speak the kindness and the love and the healing of God to them today. Lift your hands, those that are standing and as generals. Make sure that everyone recognizes you. Those that are generals, lift your hands. Those that are 60 and over. This is a good thing this morning. Father, we pray for the Zakens. We pray for these generals today. And today we honor them as generals. Here they are in your house today, Lord, they're standing. They could be at home, they could be anywhere else, but they're here in the house of God today. And we bless them. We speak a word of blessing over their life. We speak healing into their bodies. We speak restoration to their souls. Father, I pray that every single day would be filled with peace. Lord, let the peace that passes understanding, Lord, keep their hearts and minds through you. I pray that every day would be filled with joy. Love. Let them know in this community, in this church, in this district of Colorado Springs, they are loved. They are welcomed. They're honored. They're appreciated, Father. Father, give them wisdom in what they say, that their words will contain life, that the generations that are following them, that respect them, will receive words of life from them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. Let's praise God this morning for the generals that he's placed in our midst. Have a seat this morning and uh, let's just close with this word right here. I, I want to speak this word from Psalm 92, verse 12 to 14 to the Zakins, the generals this morning. The righteous, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. This is good. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. A lot of people in their 60s that I know in our community, in our life, I've heard them say it many times over, getting old sucks. Excuse the language, but I don't know if that's okay here that we say that in Australia, but it's not a common term, but it's not swearing, so don't be offended. I want to say to the generals, stop it. Don't say that anymore. Issues, stop it. 
here's what you should say. I love getting older. You might need a bit more magnesium when you go to bed at night, but that's all good. I love getting older. If anybody 50 and over today, say this with me. I love getting older. Say it with a smile on your face. I love getting older. Because you know what? If all we say to the generations following us, getting old is terrible. What have they got to look forward to? Because they're getting older as well. I love getting older. The Word of God says you'll be fresh and flourishing. You'll bear fruit in old age. Can we just close our eyes and bow our heads for just a second? Father, we sense your presence in this place. We sense your love. We sense your peace in this place. I thank you that peace is just filling, filling hearts and minds here today. That we'd find that peace in the middle of every season. Some seasons are a little bit more difficult than others. But Lord, we know what it is to find that peace in the middle of the storm. Thank you that we can minister that peace to our society and to the generations around us. I thank you, Lord, that we can find some Roys who need you, who need that peace. Give us someone this week, Lord, that we can pass a little bit of peace on to. That we can say, hey, have you experienced peace of God Lord if there's anybody here that doesn't know you this morning I pray that you'd release them to be saved release them to be healed and restored into your kingdom today while your heads are bowed your eyes are closed I want to ask really quickly does anyone want to give their life to Christ today you might be a Roy and you're here at church today there's one over here thank you for raising your hand you can put it down there's another one in the middle thank you you can put it down Right now, just lift your hand up. Say, hey, that's me. I want to get saved. I want to just put it right with God. You can raise it up and then put it down again. I can see who you are. Anyone else today? There's two that have indicated. So come on. Another one. Thank you. Another one. Thank you. God bless you. People giving their hearts to Christ today. This is really cool. This is good. I want us to all pray. Can we pray together? And I want us, those that have already given their hearts to Christ, to pray with them and add your faith. Don't just babble some words. Add some faith to their prayer today. Say this with me. Say, Father God, I come to you. I give you my life. I ask you to fill me with your peace. Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn my back on my past. And I press towards the future that you have for me. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. I know I'm born again. I know I'm accepted. Amen. Amen. Those that raised your hands this morning, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I just want you to make sure you speak to one of the leaders here before you leave and connect. Say, hey, I raised my hand. I just want you to know that. And Get involved in a healthy family like this. Get involved in a good church. If your family at home is not in that healthy state, get involved in a healthy church. It will help your family get into a healthy state. I would, I would go anywhere to be in a healthy church like this one. This is fabulous. This is amazing. Wow, huh? Is that a good time? <laughs> Nothing like a bunch of free, free gifts right around Christmas time, right? Listen, come back tonight.
bring a friend. It's very important. I want to leave you with this thought. Uh, Matthew Henry made this statement that peace is such a jewel that would give almost anything for it except truth. What I appreciate today is that the nuggets of truth that we've been given, they certainly direct us to a, a clear path of peace other than something that's cheap and momentary and can be lost easy. Truth is the anchor that will keep you in perfect peace. Amen? Amen. Listen, we're going to put a basket up here at the front because we often, we, we'll take care of the team in that, but you can make a check or you can drop something in the basket that's up here to be a blessing to them, a love offering. Um, I do that because oftentimes when we end, people say, you didn't give us a chance to give to them. So then I get in trouble with the folks who want to do that. So we're going to put a basket up here. If you want to do that, you're more than welcome to. If not, uh, leave blessed today. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you again so much for the peace that you've given us through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we walk out these doors today. and We don't just have that peace for ourselves. But Father, we'll take that peace and give it to someone else. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. See you back here tonight.